Yeah, today's uh, weekly space is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Familiar Cow's out, so couldn't host from the main Thorchain account. So I'm taking it over, and we're going to have a, a handful of people from ecosystem projects, uh, apps and wallets and such using Thorchain. So should be a fun discussion. Hey, John, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well. Good to meet you. Excited to chat with you from the, the shapeshift perspective. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. We've got Crypto XZ coming up here as well from Thor Wallet. How's it going? Hi, guys. All good. What about you guys? Doing well. And uh, Xerox, do you pronounce it DeFi Cafe or Def One? I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, I good question. DeFi Cafe. GM. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, GM, everyone. Cool. So yeah, I was just saying um, this is a little bit different than the usual Thorchain weekly space. Um, Familiar Cow usually hosts from the Thorchain account and he's out. Chad B is also out. So kind of just taking over here and hopefully uh, we can still get uh, some good reach here and just chat about some Thorchain updates, uh, get some Q&A going and uh, hear from some some ecosystem partners. I think Mogarky is going to be rolling in here from, from ThorSwap as well. Um, yeah, just kind of starting out, and then we can kind of get into uh, what everyone's working on. But just want to kind of go over the the launch of, of Savers this week because that was a really exciting thing in the in the Thorchain ecosystem. So yeah, that launched what Monday or so. I'm pulling up the stats right here if I can get this, but really cool seeing that live and in the open, people talking about it. You know, earning yield on straight up Bitcoin. And all the other assets, of course, like this is such a huge monumental launch and it's just like really exciting to see it out in the wild. So, um, yeah, CryptoXZ, do you guys have it uh, live yet or is that coming soon? Yeah, it's coming soon. So today we're uh, releasing a teaser. So there's a couple of updates that we have been working on and that's why um, it kind of delayed a little bit to our savers. But yeah, it's coming soon. So I can I can talk about a little bit in in a few in a few minutes about what we have been working on, but yeah we're super excited about Savers. Um, it's gonna come first for the for the mobile uh, for iOS and Android, and I think latest next week we'll have a public test flight so people can check it out. Awesome, sounds good. Yeah, for now people can um, interact directly with it. Of course, it's it's live on on ThorSwap too under under ThorSwap Earn. Um, but yeah, I'm seeing here like under just BTC, there's 156 participants, um, over 51 Bitcoin. Current snapshot of the APR is as high as 4.3%. That's pretty sweet. We'll see if that holds, but that would be pretty epic. And 26% build. So we'll be cool to watch over the coming weeks how much that fills up, how the synth caps come into play, um, everything like that, and really get it scaled up. Um, yeah, we can we can dive into more of your thoughts on that in a minute, but maybe just to kind of give like uh, a quick intro, since since John and Zero X, uh, you guys are kind of newer to the space. I mean, this Twitter space, not the space as a whole, of course. But um, do you you guys want to just give a quick little intro on um, your role, what Shapeshift is, just in case anyone in here is is not as familiar with Shapeshift? I'll let John uh, take the reins on that one. Uh yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, we've got myself and DeFi here. Um, my name's John. I'm one of the original co-founders of Shapeshift back a long time ago. And for those who um, are curious about what Shapeshift is, it's essentially a, a decentralized uh, interface uh, for the world across all of DeFi. So the whole idea is we plug into various DeFi protocols, you know, namely ones like, you know, 
Uniswap and other Ethereum DEXs, but also, of course, ThorChain, um, you know, we've been big supporters of for a long time. Um, and you can, you know, use it on web and mobile, et cetera. Um, and yeah, we're always working on improving it. DeFi here is the, the lead on the engineering work stream there and we'll probably have more up to date uh, than me on anything coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I'm uh, running engineering for Shapeshift uh, since we've decentralized from being a company to a DAO. And uh, ThorChain was one of the things that uh, essentially allowed us to do that. We used to be a uh, counterparty to trades, and uh, thankfully the technology's caught up on both the you know Uniswap side in 2020 and then uh, ThorChain as well. So we we route all of our trades via um, you know, ThorChain for the cross-chain stuff or um, DEX aggregators otherwise. But you know the other new product offerings like the ThorChain savers uh, will be coming soon for us too. Oh, that's awesome. That's So you guys will have savers. You have regular LPing in there uh, currently. Is that right? We don't have ThorChain LP in there currently. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's certainly on the roadmap as well. Nice, but savers is coming. Okay, that's that's great to hear. Yeah, that's awesome just to make it the hub for, for all of it. And I think that really is the goal anyways, is make LPing a little bit more the advanced user, not even not even as as customer facing over over time. So that that makes a lot of sense. How are you guys thinking about just, um, you know, everything's going down right now, like as far as FTX this week, um, maybe from both uh, Thor Wallet and, and Shapeshift perspective, just kind of curious, like what your general feelings are overall right now? Like how do how does how does DeFi like really seize this moment? Like how do we how do we get the users in the door? Like this is such a wake up call, hopefully for so many people. So just kind of a broad question, but um, just wondering your thoughts on like, where do we go from here? Like, how do we make this really be in the forefront for, for users? Yeah, I think the... Go ahead, Crypto. Sorry, I, yeah, um, I think the, the message really resonates uh, overall with uh, what Torchin has been pushing. So I think we can see that in the last few days, we had um, overall a Torchin ecosystem uh, increase in volume. So people were uh, re- removing their assets from uh, centralized exchanges and then moving to to decentralize and doing their own swappings uh, and doing some custody. But I think there's a lot of room to cover still there. And I think partly in that is um, effort that is needed from the interfaces to make it simpler. So there's still some work to be done there to, to make it more user-friendly, uh, to make it easier when you're doing like different chains that are um, maybe not compatible, right? So when you're doing uh, Bitcoin or or then EVMs, then it's all on the background. The user has no idea, it just works. And I think also another part that is um, kind of missing is the fiat um, on-ramp and off-ramp. So I think this is one of the main drivers why a lot of users end up still using centralized exchanges because if you're a new user, you have no crypto, how do you get into crypto? And I think that's something where um, in the team we have been working on trying to to build some more on-ramps. Of course, that always has some caveats on it's uh, the on-ramps is what the, they're trying to to control more. So right now we have one on-ramp, which is um, non-KYC until certain limits. But I think this is really important for uh, for growing more the, the ecosystem. So easier to go in and easier to go out. And um, of course, ideally, the more that is private and non-KYC, the better. Yeah, I mean, obviously these these last couple of weeks have been rough for the people that have been affected and like 
first and foremost, we've got to think of those people and the losses that they've suffered uh, at the hands of, of centralised custodians. But for us, it's really been like an education piece for the entire ecosystem. We've, we've seen a lot of people returning to the platform that hadn't used it for some time and a lot of new users as well really seeking out, like what Crypto said, uh, easy solutions to self-custody. And that's really what we have to like – as builders and marketers uh, in this ecosystem, I think that's our responsibility now to uh, first and foremost educate people on the necessities of, of self-custody and, and decentralization and, and then secondly make it easy for them to do that. Um, it should be as easy or easier. Uh, and to the point about fiat ramps as well, like, yeah, that that's going to be a, a necessary evil in the space. I haven't heard great. Uh, solutions for that yet we integrate with a few fiat ramp partners um, in the app so you know when people need to do that stuff they can on and off ramp via those partners um but yeah like just for me it's really highlighted the necessity it's going to be painful in the short term um it, the the events of the last couple of weeks are, are going to set us back quite a bit but in the long term um it really is like flushing out this risk um, of the you know counterparty risk and centralized custodians and uh, but going forward like people will understand the principles upon which this space is built and hopefully um, you know buy into them more and, and actually uh, you know self custody their assets and and use truly decentralized uh, platforms when they're available to them. Yeah, to just kind of piggyback off of that, I think. Um... FTX has kind of been this particular crypto generation's uh, big reminder and lesson <laughs> on why self-custody matters, why things like DeFi matters, why we say things like, you know, not your coins, not your crypto, or not your keys, not your coins, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, the crypto industry as a whole has learned this lesson and had very many examples of this a lot over the last decade. But what we... but Every generation is different, and I think it's especially those of us who have been in the space a while or have been in this more than one cycle. It's easy to forget how many new people come in every time. So I think like there's a large number of people, and especially people who were probably holding money on FTX or like you know saw an, an ad for the Super Bowl and decided to try FTX, that really only joined crypto in the last like one to two years. So they haven't had the opportunity to really um, take this lesson to heart. And I'm hope that a lot of people, the the uh, you know the ones that don't just run for the hills, do learn this lesson and do start to embrace more self custody solutions, more DeFi solutions, and that would be the hope. And we've seen some signs of that. There's certainly a lot more people, like on Twitter and such, asking about what good self custody platforms are and what they can try. Um, and that's been really great to see. I just hope that it's not something that's lost lost uh, on the community too quickly and that in a couple of years we have another bull run and we just get a bunch of new people who, again, haven't learned the lesson because that's unfortunately been the way these cycles have gone. But at least for the moment, this seems to be a wake-up call to a lot of people. Also, what is interesting, I feel, is that, you know, with the bull run that happened, sometimes uh, a bit of perspective is lost. You know, we, we kind of feel that this is how it was and... Uh, over the last few years, and it wasn't like this. So, like, DeFi is relatively a new, uh, a new thing. It just came up in 2020. So, it's uh, kind of a new, um, a new technology that that just came in the in the previous cycle, 2017. There were no really good 
uh, decentralized exchanges. So I think now this is the first the first time where products have been built that actually um, are valuable and are not just um, you know house of cards. There's some really value there out there with the lending, borrowing, um, taxes, and so on, and even um, other things that we did not exist before. So like trading perpetual on chain, this is something that's also relatively new. And I think slowly and as, as time goes into the next cycle, a lot more people will transition to, to using these services, um, especially as you said, like if you got burned, but you kind of learn your lesson and um, you continue in the space, I think a lot of those people will decide now to, to use other services where they are less exposed. I have um, the risk on um, not on third parties. Yeah, great, great points all around. I mean, it's a unfortunate way of getting the message out, but it really is like the best uh, mass education event that can that can kind of happen. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, at the same time, like what John said, you know, is everyone just going to forget the next bull run and just uh, repeat the same mistakes again? I mean, to be determined. But like you said, XZ, um, you know, like this infrastructure wasn't really here in the past. I mean, we're really just seeing like the true DeFi landscape, like really kind of flourish, um, even from early DEXs to like where we are now with, with, with ThorChain, of course. And like for a, for a DEX to really replace a centralized exchange, like, you know, it can't just be Uniswap. It can't like just be some single chain thing. Like you need the, you need the major assets, you need Bitcoin, Obviously, before that, you need people to even just understand why should they care about self custody in the first place. And you know, I think in in previous bull runs like 2017, well, even the most recent one, but even back to 2017, 2013, like yeah, you could self custody, but it's like you weren't doing anything with your crypto, right? Like there. Whereas now there are like reasons to have a self custody wallet where you're actually ready to do something. You're ready to to buy an NFT. You're ready to trade on a Dex. You're ready to like connect to whatever application right and so now there's so much more actually being built here that like hopefully that is a reason for people to use the real thing and not just have like this limited financial exposure through a centralized company that is you know gambling user funds and blah 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 (laughs) it's just kind of been such a such a crazy world so yeah hopefully this is like a huge step in in getting people to wake up and and really come come to the crypto side right yeah, definitely. I think it also is, uh, you know, funny how things play out. I mean, sadly, um, you know, if people lost money, we we feel definitely bad for the, for that. Uh, but in a way, I think there was a lot of things that were pushed into trying to get some regulation that might have been negative for, for the industry. And in some way, if there's like a small silver lining, that's that there might be some people now questioning that as whether which is the right approach now to take as we saw that there's risk on both sides, you know, uh, centralized exchanges and also, I mean, decentralized exchanges also have some uh, some risks um, to that. You know, you are custodying your own assets so you can also lose that. So th- there's there's some risks there as well, but at least those risks are a bit more transparent. Code is open source. Um, so I think they're, they're, that is a small it's, uh, silver lining there. Exactly. Yeah. Of, of course, we've got um, Eric from from Shapeshift so eloquently describing a lot of these these situations, right? And, and bringing a lot of attention to this in such a such a good way of why it's important to to trust open, transparent code versus trusting trusting people, and that that's really what this whole thing. Is about and yeah, that doesn't mean there's that doesn't mean there's no risks on the 
decentralized, uh, you know, code in, uh, code in the sky, <laughs> kind of like crypto wild west, like there's absolutely risk there, but at least the risk there is it can be well-defined and transparent and, um, you know, available for anyone to, to peek behind and actually see what's going on. And rather than just trusting, you know, the old world, the old world way of doing things, which is what of course, centralized exchanges are, they're not crypto. They're just old world businesses that, you know, are a doorway to crypto, but you know, the things that, that, that you guys are building here and on all of us in the space, like that's, that's really what this is about. So yeah. by the way, to any, to, to listeners that are here that are from ecosystem projects as well, this is, this is open. So, you know, feel free to request as well. I see some people from nine realms, LPU, ThorSwap, uh, not a, not a strict panel. Any, anyone in the ecosystem can come up and even, even just, uh, regular questions too. We'll, we can open that up shortly, but sorry, uh, John, did you unmute? Yeah, I, I was just going to add on to what you said and kind of just, I guess, plus one it is like that, you know, we're all kind of saying this, but, you know, at least from my perspective, um, and been building in the space a while, the whole point of everything we build is to disintermediate trust and to eliminate trust. So it's always kind of sad <laughs> to me when we see these huge centralized exchanges, you know, come up, something like FTX, which, you know, went from nothing to gigantic within just a few years and all of these people custodying their funds. And I think it's something for us to constantly reflect on those who are trying to build self-custodial solutions about why people do that. And ultimately, I, I think it's, it's simply convenience in UX and the things that they can do on those platforms that to them is just easier. It's more what they're used to. And so the imperative is really on us. And like, this is something I know at Shapeshift, we take very seriously to really try to build things that are as easy as that, but while doing it in a self-custodial manner, while doing it with DeFi protocols, while eliminating that trust, because to me, that's, it's the whole point of crypto. And if we lose that part, we're just, we end up just building, you know, kind of banking 2.0. And that would, at least to me, be completely useless and defeat the whole point. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a call to action for anyone who is building, you know, things like on top of ThorChain, you know, whether it's Shapeshift or ThorSwap or ThorWallet or, you know, the people at Nine Realms building awesome infrastructure. Um, we, you know, we need to not just make these systems work. We need to make them actually easy or, or easier, as easy, if not easier to use as their centralized counterparts. And I think we're a lot closer to that today than we were, you know, even just a few years ago, but there's still a lot of work there to do. And until we get that, unfortunately, I think we will still see a lot of these people go to custodians and a lot of them will keep getting burnt. And unfortunately, it's that convenience versus, you know, security trade-off. And we need to do our best to make, make that trade-off more tolerable. Yeah, I think you made a great point there, which is that a, a huge way to get these users to, users to transfer over is not just by it being like almost a replacement and but it's better for these reasons. Trust me, I'll explain it. And rather than that, it's like, okay, let's get to actual feature parity and then ideally make it actually a better experience in all these different ways. And once you do that, then people are going to choose it, not just for the philosophies and the ideals and all of that, but they're going to choose it because I can do so much more over there and I have a better experience over there. Uh, maybe even uh, in the future, better pricing uh, through you know, once pools are so deep and, and such, like maybe maybe eventually there's actually deeper liquidity than on, on centralized exchanges. Well, then again, they can just quote whatever, I suppose. But anyways, yeah, that is, I think that'll be such a huge thing. And, and we're kind of like pushing closer and closer to that where a decentralized exchange can actually um, 
replace these things like 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 what you touched on uh crypto xz like even having perpetuals on chain and stuff like that like that is a huge reason that even a lot of really sophisticated players were caught up in the ftx uh fiasco right like not just complete normies that could that don't understand crypto in the first place right exactly yeah and the reality is is that for as far as we've come in DeFi, and as much as i love dexes and if you're like a big you know a very large you know trader or you're an institutional firm and and then there's a whole problem too of a lot of these institutional firms are required by regulators to use custodians which is a whole another silly thing where regulators are claiming to be making these entities safer in reality they're doing the opposite but um those things aside there is a reality that like you know limit order exchanges on a centralized exchange are still more efficient today than what anything we can do on the deck side in terms of their liquidity and what you know professional market makers can do in terms of making liquidity i think we're a lot farther along i know there's a lot of people working on this problem i do think things like you know some of the per protocols are making that better like the gmx's and the gains of the world um and i think we'll you know and thorchain is obviously contributing significantly to that and you know, things like the savers vaults that just launched are really helpful for, you know, giving decentralized yield options compared to these centralized services. But there's just more work to do. Like we're not at that feature parity yet, if we're being realistic, and we need to be able to fully give those things in a self custodial and decentralized manner to users if we expect, you know, these large pools of money to really move over. Something I want to add to that is that like decentralization is a spectrum. And like this has come up a lot in the, the recent fiasco. Um, and DeFi is not without risks at the moment. There's mechanism design risks like we saw with Luna. Eric was talking about this extensively yesterday. Um, there's, you know, straight rugs in the NFT space, you know, maliciously designed contracts. But um, along that spectrum, there's big, huge steps, and self-custody is one of those. And then, you know, starting to use DeFi protocols is, is another step in that direction. And I think that... We have to be intellectually honest with ourselves and not disingenuous to the community and push DeFi as a, a panacea that like it is the silver bullet to fix everything and that it's not without risk. That's that's not true. Um, it's it's an ascent. It's uh, you know it can do a lot of things that you uh, can't do. Well, it can do on a sex, but not without. Uh, its limitations or risks, but yeah, as we build more in this space, uh, things will improve. And I, I think that all we can do is just push people further down that decentralization spectrum. And like I was saying earlier, we couldn't have done what we did at Shapeshift decentralizing without the tech catching up. The tech's only going to get better. Uh, it's going to get safer. It's uh, going to become more trustworthy. The composability within DeFi and the ecosystem, uh, like the fact that we're just able to build an interface on top of a protocol, it is phenomenal. And uh, you know that's it's going to continue to improve. But we just need to keep pushing people down that spectrum of decentralization um, as users and as builders. Yeah, that's a great point to always keep in mind and especially relevant right now with the launch of uh, Savers. Uh, we kind of went through that with with DoorSwap Earn and how we're like communicating it, right? Because on one hand, it's dead simple. It's deposit Bitcoin, earn more Bitcoin. But on the other hand, the user still needs to understand like, look, this is, this is, this is DeFi. This is a, you know, a a open code just running the system that like crazy stuff could happen. It's it, it's all ultimately like still early experiments in the space, right? 
And when you get an average user, this is this is what really the downfall was with Terra, right? Is it was it was too simple. It was too risk-free and simple uh, seeming, right? But in reality, it was on top of a really big experiment that ultimately didn't work. So I, I think that's another kind of aspect that we we need to think about in terms of education and onboarding. Absolutely, is you know how do we how do we explain like okay where what are the risks? Make sure people really understand what it is they're doing. It's not what they're used to with a you know a savings account at the bank or or I don't know a dividend on the stock or something like that, right? I mean, it there still there still are risks, but at the same time, like explaining transparently how to assess those risks and like you know also um, over time how these things get hardened, right? Like it, when you have when you have a DeFi protocol and if it's gone 10 years without an exploit, right? It's like, okay, it's pretty, it's probably pretty, pretty bulletproof. You compare Bitcoin to, uh, well, you just go down the list, right? Until you get to the the newer, the newer ones. And, and over time, they become more and more resilient and you can have more and more trust and faith in it. But yeah, it, it, there's still a long road ahead in terms of just educating people. I mean, we can hardly get people to understand self-custody. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's quite an uphill uh, education battle, but that's, that's kind of something that, that, at least I try to contribute on that's that's where my mind is usually at. I'm not a developer or anything like that. I just am, am passionate about it and try to and try to simplify as best as I can. Um, so you know, I'm always trying to educate how to do these things very simply, how to make it as understandable as possible. But at the same time, it's like it can't be too simple, right? <laughs> because there are there, there's nobody here to, to to save you in a sense. I think this part on on, on education is uh, quite important because you know if you if you think about someone who has never used crypto and maybe their first exposure has been something like Robinhood or so on, like they have really no idea what what you're doing. Like they just they press one button, that's it. But if you we want to kind of bring that chasm and then help them transition to have your own keys, do your own custody, use decentralized products. It's gonna be a leap there because it's not it's not as straightforward. People still need, you know, and, and crypto also moves very fast. So like, you know, there's a new chain coming. There's new new things uh, um, coming every time, and and these sometimes move faster than what people are able to um, to just get to speed. If you're like if you're just new to the space and you enter like right in the bull run, then those people are a bit more um, at risk. So I think that's also important to. Um, not not only the interface, but everyone just trying to help to to educate a bit better. And and I think as as uh, as um, um, John was saying, and the technology will improve, and then that will also make it easier for you know as as it's easier to use, then it's also easier to educate people as it's not so complex anymore. So here's a question for for both both teams. Like, so how are you building in that education into kind of like your your customer experience itself like do you have onboarding processes um you know libraries of information support i'm curious how you guys handle all this especially recently because you've probably had such a influx of of new users in the last week or so um you know speaking from the the thor the thor swap perspective for a second and then uh and then you guys can give give your takes but like the way we think about it is you know making everything is as clear as possible and simple, right? Like tutorials, videos, uh, support in discord, um, so on articles, spaces, really trying to get the community to, to understand these things. Um, that still doesn't reach beyond the existing community in a sense. Right. So the, the other side of it is 
uh, of course, with, uh, you know, integrations, getting ThorChain integrated into existing wallets and existing user bases, and then having those users having to understand all of that. It's a huge thing. So, um, yeah, just curious, like, like, what does that kind of look like? In, in Shapeshift and Thor Wallet, and um, especially kind of in the context of the last week, like the the huge influx and how to how to onboard those people and educate them. How like what's the what are your processes there? Yeah, it's a good point. We've we've done a little bit of the on the marketing side of things. Um, you know, videos around how easy it is to create a, a wallet from scratch, um, and then you know you can it's easier than signing up with an email and password. So that's a big part of it. We're going to have more guides coming throughout the app, uh, you know, like a tutorial basically of, of how to do it. Um, yeah, I think it's a bigger narrative piece as a whole. Um, there's obviously like the specific product stuff that has to be done, but I, I think the the broader message is more important than any specific, um, you know, like feature in the app uh, or a wallet. If people understand the message uh, and are motivated to go and seek self-custody solutions themselves, they're more likely to figure it out. That that's generally where I'm at. Yeah, from our side, I think we we have kind of an interesting perspective as as we deal both with the mobile and web app. And um, one interesting thing I feel is that as as this space started, it was not really um, thought for cross-chain. So like a lot of the infrastructure that was built for web and like you know I'm talking about. Um, web extensions were mostly thought for like single chain and like ecosystems and still we are kind of in that phase where it's making it easier to to interact cross chains but still it is it has improved a lot but it's still you know you have to change uh, sometimes the um, the network you are so that you can interact easily and I think that versus the app there's some benefit there because on the app this is much easier for for us to take it and then handle it on the background so that I think the experience there is much smoother just because we have that ability. Um, and in terms of how to make it easier, I mean, that that comes down to a lot of two points. I think it's, uh, one is definitely UI. So, you know, how, how do we make these features that is, you know, people don't need to um, think about it, just very intuitive. And it's, it's not an easy question, but I think mostly we're trying to, to just think about to make it very um you know not to make the user think a lot and that's uh, we're trying to um, to improve in that in that in that aspect and the second one is just to create some educational content so like with faqs and, and videos and so on to to kind of explain a bit more how how can you how can you um use it but i think that difference between something that was more like innate to cross chain at least from the user experience and user interface, there's a big difference on trying to build features there versus trying to f- kind of adapt more something that was not planned for cross-chain. Agreed. I mean, I think that's something that's been uh, something to kind of slow down ThorChain in, in an extent, right? Since the early days, just because there was no there was no multi-chain wallet at all, right? Like that's kind of where, um, I mean, well, you guys and uh like xd5 was kind of born out of that right um you know just there there was no way to do it and that's kind of where you get so many more complicated user ui ux sort of situations that users run into trying to have multiple chains connected um but at the same time like that's what's needed because otherwise people end up in these wrapped worlds where they're you know not they're, they're interacting on a single chain but they like you know they think they have bitcoin they think they have whatever else but they actually don't and that's of course such a like core fundamental piece to to, to Thorchain, real assets, all of that. So it's just like 
a a growing pain in a sense, right? But yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, and I think it comes down to infrastructure. So like really, I think cross-chain infrastructure is kind of a new thing as well. So just something that really took off in this uh, bull market and and I think that's slowly being built, but it is it was not there. Now we have improved, but that's also why we kind of all all the companies are struggling because this infrastructure didn't exist. And it's not only for like wallets, but as as we discussed um, in some other uh, Twitter posts, uh, savers as well. I see it as an infrastructure thing. Like there, this was not existing before. How do you like a lot of assets were even outside of DeFi, not even. Uh, being able to participate. So I think this um, infrastructure, as we build it, then it will be easier for uh, for users to to come in and start using these services. But it's an ongoing process of creating more infrastructure for wallets and in, um, layer one protocol as well. For sure. We touched on this a bit earlier, but uh, do you want to expand some more now on your rollout of, of Savers uh, for, for Thor Wallet and then for Shapeshift too, if you guys want to speak to that? Yeah, definitely. So... We have been uh, quite busy over the last few weeks, uh, knowing that Savers was coming and a couple of updates of what we have been working on. So we have focused a lot recently on security features. So just to improve the user experience, um, there's a lot of scams going on everywhere, um, you know, fake tokens, and we're just trying to to help our users to mitigate this risk. So we have been um, putting out some security features so that people know that this token might be fake. Be careful. Um, check, um, you know, check the contract. I was also putting some FAQs. So that's something we have been working on, but also on the back end. So uh, you know, trying to improve the security checks that we do on the inbound addresses and things like that. And another very important update which uh, we have been working is I don't know if for those that have used um, the app before uh, how it was initially uh, architecture was um, when there was uh, downtime in in Torchain, then the app would also have downtime. So that's something that we have been working on because if you're a new user, you come and then for some reason, Torchain is down, you cannot access your app, you have money there. It's normal that some people are, you know, it's, it's normal to panic. So we have um, we have worked on refactoring that so that we can, you know, people can still see their balances, can still see, you know, if they want to retrieve their wallet uh, keys. Uh, but of course, then they would not be able to, to do any swapping or LPing, but at least they can access that's something that we have been working over the last few weeks and um, that kind of also gave us a bit more flexibility and um, kind of position us for for further growth and that plays good for uh, what we were thinking about Saver. so that uh, postponed us a little bit in terms of uh, deploying uh, early but now we are in in the last steps of having savers and i think the focus has been a bit on bitcoin because you know that's kind of the, the way to to make a noise and say, hey, this is super interesting, but um, I, I follow closely the APRs and it's uh, some of the savers are very interesting for other ecosystems. I was uh, checking on on, 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 Dodge, um, on Dodge, I think it was around 10% for savers with uh, eventually no asset, second asset exposure. So I think that also will bring other ecosystems that are not or were not part of DeFi and uh, will play a huge role as well. Yeah, that's a huge one. I, I keep looking at that Doge APR too and just thinking like this needs to reach the Doge community because that's pretty crazy. Like really, there's there's no comparison to that. I mean, there's there's nowhere to get yield on native Doge at all. And, and then 10% is pretty solid. So so much opportunity to like reach into those existing community communities and be like, Hey, have you, have you seen what's going on over here? 
Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that that's a, that's a big thing. Um, you know, I think Dutch uh, launched their chain just to to be able to to access DeFi, and now those that want to stay native, they can with their chain. Yeah, I mean, so you know, on our part, um, savers is something I, I I at least personally have been looking forward to for a long time, and I know it's something that we've had on the roadmap for shapeshift for a while um we've been having a lot of internal discussions about what to prioritize and when and um i think we're having more discussions over the next few weeks and i'm i'm hoping that savers ends up being one of our main priorities over the next few weeks um i know that there's still some discussion going on around that but my hope is that this is something we're going to be launching soon. I mean, for a long time, whenever i've talked to anyone about thorchain and potentially lping in the past this exposure to rune and the kind of impermanent loss on one asset when they really all they wanted to do was gain yields on their bitcoin or ether or whatever has always been one of the main sticking points so i really see this as a great way to build more liquidity in the ecosystem and to really give people that option for that kind of single-sided yield that a lot of people are looking for who don't want to take that il risk so hoping to see it up on shapeshift in the near future awesome yeah exactly it's so much easier to you know build a ui ux around that and make it clear to a user so you know that's kind of been the goal with with from the thorchain side is just like is this is this the key to really deepening liquidity pools and seems to be off to a good start um but yeah that's that's sweet that you guys will have it up soon zero xd if i had to jump jump down he was having audio issues stupid twitter (laughs) But keep going here. If it, also if anyone in the audience wants to come up at this point, feel free to send in some requests, ask these guys some questions, uh, just chat. But yeah, open panel. One one interesting thing about Savers, I think, is how it's gonna play because um, there was no real good alternative to get yield on Bitcoin over the last bull run, and I think that also, in a way, contributed to what we have seen recently. You know, because uh, these lenders, uh, a lot of them were offering yield on your Bitcoin and then you're taking this counterparty risk. But that was also because there was no good alternative and especially no good alternative where you have custody. So I think this is uh, definitely going to be an interesting um, thing to watch coming to the next cycle and how how that that plays out. Absolutely. Uh, curious what you guys both have going on as far as aggregation and, and swap routes beyond um, Thorchain. Um, what maybe you guys want to just kind of give a summary of what's currently like what swap routes are available and like maybe maybe tease if possible any any other routes or aggregation that you're you're excited to get integrated yeah on the shapeshift side we kind of have three main well we've got three main ones today which is you know thorchain for anything cross chain and then we have um two different dex routes on the ethereum side uh primarily through ox and more recently, CowSwap. Um, CowSwap in particular is pretty cool because it allows for gasless transactions or at least the gas fee to be paid in whatever the asset is rather than having to have ETH. And it also provides MEV protection. So that one in particular, I think, is pretty cool. Like if you use the Shapeship app right now to trade you know, ETH to USDC or something, you'll probably end up using CowSwap and it's a really nice experience. Um, and then uh, pretty soon we're going to, we've for a long time, we've been working on also osmosis integration. Um, so that will be going online pretty soon. Don't have an exact date, and I'm not going to commit, especially with DeFi here, on an engineering timeline quite yet. But um, pretty soon that will go up. So then at that point, it will will kind of have routes across Thorchain, across Ethereum, and across you know kind of the Cosmos world via Osmosis. 
That's awesome. That's what I'm excited for on the, on the Thorchain side too, hopefully. So would you have that as, would it be like a two-step um, signing confirmation or will they be like independent swaps? Like for example, would you be able to go BTC to an IBC asset or will it be like separate swap processes? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think at least with this original uh, implementation, it's probably going to be two steps still, but we would certainly like to get it to that point. I know ThorSwap's done a good job with that where you can basically make it uh, a single transaction across these routes. You know, the more you're going across these various DEXs and chains, the, that gets a little more complicated. So I don't, I'm, I'm not fully up to speed on all the various challenges we'd have to conquer to make that possible but it's definitely something we're looking at but at the moment we just want to make sure that even if people have to make you know one or two transactions that they can basically get from point a to point b wherever they want to go and that's the immediate focus yeah still a huge a huge use case there yeah for right now thorswap just uh, has uh eth aggregation and avax aggregation and all of that is single transaction but that yeah when you get into other other routes like you know going over to osmosis then that would ha- if if thorswap were to integrate that now or, or anyone it would yeah it would have to be two transactions um same if you were going to do like solana through like a then you're then you're of course using bridges things like that but all possible ringo is another ecosystem project that's a good example of a lot of those those types of aggregation where it's multi-step and you know really pulling in so many different things but it's not yet in the single transaction format which will be really cool but that will require as far as i understand um in, unless anyone more technical is, is listening in really requires like the the pool on thorchain itself so that's why i think i'd be really excited to see osmo integrated into thorchain because then you could get that single swap dex aggregation uh using osmosis which would be pretty sweet yeah that would be amazing um you know i personally have been a big supporter of both thorchain and the whole cosmos ecosystem for quite a while and so i would love to see them more tightly coupled like that i know there's been a lot of issues around um the fact that thorchain set up in such a way that it doesn't use ibc and i think that's made that a little bit harder at least when it comes to like making that really easy between osmos but now that we have the atom integration i would love to see like an osmo integration and then perhaps we could you know do all of that in one one fell swoop through thorchain that'd be awesome Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really my hope is that that kind of bridges the 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 gap, the the slight sort of conflict uh, that you sometimes see between between the communities. Because I, I I think the dex aggregation is really the is really what people want, right? They they just want to be able to swap anything to anything. Um, you know, whether whether Rune is IBC or not uh, doesn't seem to be really the thing that that determines much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely hoping to see that. That'll be that'll be a cool one. And on the Thor wallet. Side. Yeah, so from Thor Wallet side, so we have, uh, of course, all the swaps uh, from Thor Chain, uh, but we also have integrated, as you were mentioning, um, we integrated Rango. So we have EVMs, uh, aggregation for EVMs. So basically, uh, you could use uh, Thor Wallet to swap across many um, ecosystems right now. So Phantom, Avalanche, um, Binance Smart Chain. Uh, so right now, still, Rango swaps are um, just EVM to EVM. So the next step would be, and you were talking about it, uh, um, the, the, the two-step versus the one-step. So right now we have integrated one-step um, swaps between EVMs, and then second, uh, in a later stage, would be the second step uh, or two-step integration for for DEX aggregation. But that's already available um, right now for, for a while, both on, on, on the app and 
and on the web app. And it's, it's very interesting because you can see, uh, as you were saying, people just want to be able to, you know, just select these two assets. They don't care where these, you know, two, two assets leave. They just want to be able to, to do it easily. And I think that's the challenge where we need to make it easier. So far, a lot of um, the interaction is done via Ethereum, you know, so it's kind of the single point for a lot of the ecosystems. Um, but um, yeah, you can you can go and have a look um, doing some cross-chain uh, swaps with Rango on, on Throw Wallet. Awesome, yeah. What, what wallets do you guys have integrated for the, the web app version? So for the web app, we have MetaMask, XDeFi, um, key, uh, importing your key and key store. We were thinking about integrating a few extra ones, but that's just in the in the roadmap. Awesome. If anyone wants to request again, feel free. Uh, you can bring up speakers. Let's see, what else can we get into here? Anything else you guys are particularly excited about? Come, any uh, things coming soon? Oh, there we go. Now we're getting tons of requests. <laughs> sometimes it, sometimes you have to say it the fifth time, and that's when the requests roll in. I've got a question. I recently saw, um, I think it was Pluto posted something about impermanent loss protection and questioning whether we still need that now that Sabres is launched and gives a perfectly safe way to earn yield. And I was wondering if anybody had any insights on that discussion about whether or not ILP should still be a thing. Yeah, that's a really good question. I know, um, I know, Pluto would love to discuss that. <laughs> maybe we'll. I don't see him in here at the moment, and maybe we'll get a space. Maybe like next week's space, perhaps with with Chad B and everyone, we can really dive deeper into that. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's a really interesting question. I don't have a super strong opinion at the moment. I mean, of course, it was like really to to bootstrap the network, right? It's a really cool feature to make LPing. A little less risky, um, but at the same time, it, it it does kind of put some amount of stress and risk on on the reserve, right? All the the, the rune reserve, the protocol reserve, um, and I think with sort of transitioning over time to, it seems the vision at this point is eventually protocol owned liquidity might be the only or the majority dual sided LP, and the users are using savers. So you know, if it gets to that point, then of course it doesn't make sense to ha- to need ILP anymore, right? Um, and there's a new proposal as well for something. It was called um, deposit deposit protect. Um, I'll see if I can find the tweet. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's something to to consider. Is that might be something that replaces that. Um, but yeah, I, think here, I did uh, just, see something about deposit protect, although I didn't understand what what's the difference between deposit protect and ILP. Yeah, I need to do some more reading. I I read it. I'm already kind of I'm already kind of forgetting. Uh, I don't know if anyone else up here uh, has any more insight or or thoughts on it. Oh, just in general. Well, my other concern with all that is like, well, how much rune is getting dumped onto the market due to ILP? Is that causing the rune price to go down, which is then causing more impermanent loss, which has sort of become a a I don't think so. Or it doesn't seem like it would be that much rune, but yeah, I know the I know the current ILP liability is like something like seven million, which is probably I would assume. I, I don't know the past stats off the top of my head, but probably about as high as it's ever been, maybe by a long shot even. I I'm guessing there, but I mean, look how crazy the market has been, right? So, you know, right. if, if 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 that is like the absolute worst case for ILP that we're seeing right now, then um, then it kind of, you know, works. <laughs> it's not, it's not that it, it's, it's definitely not like a existential risk to the protocol, I don't think, but it might not make sense to, 
keep it going as like an expense. But at the same time, you know, it, it like it, it's a really nice feature. I mean, nowhere else has that feature really for the most part, right? And it it's a it's a really nice assurance to have. So I, I kind of feel like you know if it's not if it's not hurting anything too much, why not leave it leave it running? Or I think it, also I guess the one part I do feel strongly about is if it's decided to to phase out. Um, I think that needs to be done kind of in like a pretty calculated, careful way. Maybe it switches from a hundred days to to three hundred sixty five days, and then phases out over six to twelve months or something like that. Who knows? Because um, another point that I saw brought up in the dev Discord was, well, everyone should be paid out any current ILP, like even if you don't withdraw necessarily. So it does it does bring up some interesting questions because you don't want to break previous promises or anything like that, right? Yeah, I mean, with, I with current LPs, just, just went away. I mean, the community would absolutely feel rugged and for sure. Gonna- take their money and run and then the the overall tbl goes down and it's just bad all around and it seems like you know uh, Thorchain's always been all about like you know lps are first class citizens and you know we're going to take care of our people and the you know what ilp sub communicates is pretty strong you know it like sort of says hey look you're not going to be any worse off for, for risking your money in our system right and i think exactly. that's a really strong statement to make and uh you know, reneging on that promise is, I don't know, that, especially, that have consequences. Yeah. Especially for people that like, w- like, l- what if you're, what if you're, uh, two weeks into an LP position and the market tanked and you have a lot of IL, but you're only ha- you're only at 20% protection or whatever, but you're expecting right. to have hundred percent protection. I, I already saw some discussion in the dev discord. So I, I think, um, I think, it, it seems like everyone would be on the same page about that type of stuff. So I don't think there's anything to be like too worried about, but I do, I do think that's like kind of where the nuance is and would have to be, you know, done carefully if it, sure. it does happen. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I need, I need more, I need to be a fly on the wall for more of the discussions uh, until right. I have like a much stronger opinion on it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's, it would be such a critical thing. And it seems like overall, it seems like, you know, like, is it really that big a problem that we're sure we're paying out some ILP, but the word on that was always that, well, the system's so profitable that it can do this. So great. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It seems like this is about the worst case it's ever going to see from here on out, you know, assuming that we've pretty much bottomed. It should be up only from here. So I think there will be an interesting dynamic now with savers. Um, because savers will split the the fees, right? So they get half of what LP is doing. So in a way, if you're an LP, you still take more risk than than as a saver. So especially with, until the first uh, hundred days, then you're taking the risk that you know, as as, as Chad was saying, um, you put your money and then the market tanks. So I think we will see some. Uh, some game theory happening and uh, how it evolves, but definitely it's a good thing for you know still having people to to commit their liquidity and and then eventually maybe it gets uh, reduced. But at at at, uh, at this point, I think it's an interesting see, uh, thing to have as you don't want to be exposed to you know suddenly things go down and then it will be harder to attract larger liquidity at, at this point. I think great point. Yeah, I think it's I think it makes a lot more sense. Like at maturity to, to get rid of it. You know, if, if the TBL was 10 or 20 times higher than it is, then I think we'd probably all be like, yeah. You know, hey, Chad, I've, uh, I got to run at this point. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and great to, great to talk with everybody. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Th- thanks for your time. It was a good chat. So thanks for coming up. Well, uh, we can move on to some other questions unless anyone had final thoughts on the ILP. Well, my only other thought on ILP was that, uh, 
if the model is moving towards the reserve takes the other half of the liquidity providing, so to speak, then you know what what's the use of holding rune if it's not to LP with? You know, I guess it's then the only function for it is to be bond, but not everybody can bond. Well, savers savers still puts buy pressure on rune even if the user even if the regular savers user doesn't Mm -hmm. touch rune right so somebody will still be taking that side in a sense on on every saver because the the pool well when you're minting when you're when you're doing savers you're minting a synth right so you're putting you put in you put in one btc that btc is swapped to one btc worth of rune and then all of that rune gets put into the liquidity pool to mint the synth, right? So the, then the ARBs have to balance it out. So the pool is deepening by roughly minus slippage, half a Bitcoin of each, right? So the saver is still benefiting rune. And therefore, I mean, I would still be bullish on rune, <laughs> right? Like right. personally, uh, because I still see how it like affects the whole system. Yeah, the way the protocol, like the POL, um, I think that's an interesting point that, um, you know, it seems a little more neutral when when the protocol uh, uh, deposits rune. I'm like I'm not sure how that. I don't know if that's just net neutral or slightly net positive because it still does um, require higher bond, right? So maybe slightly net positive, but it's not exactly the same dynamic as like regular LPing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there'll always hopefully always be a demand for nodes to buy rune on the market in order to launch a new node. But at some point, we're going to hit a limit on nodes. And then if the protocol rune is balancing out the say, it's like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, the rune price will have, still have to go up. But I mean, the rune, there wouldn't be as much demand for it. Well, as long as I mean, as long as the value of non rune is growing, whether that's through more coming in or the mm-hmm. prices of those assets going up, then the, the, the rune side has to be more valuable because otherwise you're creating crazy arbitrage opportunity. Right. So that that. Right. That incentivize, you know, if, if Bitcoin is going way, you know, if you have X number of Bitcoin and Y number of rune in the pool and Bitcoin goes up way, way, way more compared to the rune, then the price is offset in the pool. Therefore, people are going to swap Bitcoin into rune to to profit, basically, right? Because mm-hmm. the, so um, I think that kind of just solves itself. As, I mean, rune, that's kind of the beauty of, uh, you know, two to three X TVL, however you want to think about it. As long as those assets are paired in the pools with Rune, if those are growing, then Rune really has no choice but to accrue that value. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's on the on the the base price. I guess my concern would be more for like the speculative value, right? The speculative premium. Right. Yeah. I believe. Um, I mean, I think as more and more Rune gets into the system, it gets closer to true deterministic value. There were some calculations floating around on that. Um, I should refresh myself, but people have said like, you know, if 80% plus of the Rune is, then it like approaches uh, more of the deterministic value. Um, but yeah, that you get into really interesting math that goes above my head for sure when you really get into like, what if all of the Rune is in the protocol, then is it just directly tied to... The value, I yeah, it's an mm-hmm. interesting question. <laughs> right, right. I'll save that for the uh, the more creviced brains to worry about. <laughs> yeah, we we only have smooth Chad today. We don't have Gigabrain Chad, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all beyond <laughs> me. But all right, well, hey, that's all I got on that. Thanks. Cool, uh, Juggernaut, you there? Can you hear me? Yep. Hello. Hey. Yeah. You hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Thank you. Nice. Um, first, 
uh, I'm very, very happy to see there uh, all uh, those interfaces. So very, very nice. It, it proved one thing that uh, in Torchain ecosystem, there is no competition. There is emulation, but no competition. I think that everyone is here to, uh, to work uh, together. I think but that's great. The first thing. I got two questions. I think that uh, the first, I think that if uh, we want to see more newcomers come directly to DeFi without going through the mandatory stage uh, or step uh, of the sex, we really have to simplify the transaction as much as possible. You can't explain to someone who comes from Fiat that he has to pay a fee in flour to buy bread with his Bitcoin. We'll uh, make a mental blockage, you know, uh, the same mental, uh, the same blockage I've had uh, two years ago with Uniswap uh, uh, when they came me uh, eat to buy eat. Uh, I didn't understood uh, <laughs> how it works. Uh, it, uh, it was a, a problem for me. For example, in cases of RC20, uh, RC20 assets, you will have to find a way to automatically, pardon, excuse me, convert a few BTC to ETH to ETH to pay fees. It will mean two transactions in one, but in the back end for the user, there would be only one transaction. Your thoughts? So do you mean if you were like, let's say you were on ramping to like Avalanche USDC, um, you're saying like you want to be credited a little bit of AVAX so that you can make that first transaction or ETH, just just as an example. Yes, I, I know that there is an evolution of our chain. Uh, a lot of things has changed, but there are sometimes, uh, for example, if I want to upgrade my Tor to VTOR, I have to pay fee in, uh, in Ethereum, you know? So it still exists. Uh, I think that, uh, well, it's not for now, uh, 2023. Uh, it, it should be a, a good thing to, to simplify uh, the UX as much as possible. It's my opinion, okay? Yeah, right. Yeah, we were talking about this a bit, I think, on the last space. It it, it makes sense. And I think, um, I mean, some of it is unavoidable, right? Because if, like, if, if you're dealing with Thor or any ERC-20, you're you're dealing with the Ethereum blockchain, right? Like, you can't change that. Like, it, it co- like you have to pay ETH to send an ERC-20, and that's just, like, how Ethereum itself is, right? But, like, I do think that things could become smarter in a sense and this is something that like you know maybe uh you know like something like the thor swap aggregation contracts could could look for stuff like this in the future you know you swap to like let's say you swap bitcoin to uh well let's say thor and then maybe you get uh you know maybe it spits out like enough eth for gas if it sees that you don't have eth i I think that's what you're getting at right like to make sure you don't get stuck with with no gas Mm. Um, I uh, just uh, say uh, that it's for newcomers, you know, because for a newcomer, it's very difficult to understand that, that you have to uh, to have uh, bread to buy bread. It's uh, something uh, <laughs> understandable. Uh, it's just uh, under- un- understandable. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. Let's go to, to the, to the second. It's a reflection, but 
please think about it. But I think it's important. If you want to, to see more newcomers come directly to DeFi without pass by the mandatory step of sex, it's uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, it's a way to go through. Uh, to the second, uh, I take the the opportunity. To uh, to see a lot of interfaces here, it's about our things, our synthetics. I'm here to leave just a personal reflection, not a criticism, just a reflection. Recently, node holders have imposed a minimum of one dollar per uh, per transactions on all transactions except the synthetics, and it was logical because uh, regarding the Room prices actually it can't work without uh, without this, but they do it except on synthetics. Why? Because they understood that the sense was is our weapon to compete with stacks on their trading domain. No stacks can compete with a fixed fees of two point. 0.2 rune plus a very low slippage. Your opinion? I think that the the interfaces uh, must think to avoid to put fees on synthetic transactions because it, it's counterproductive. It's going against Sophie. You see what I mean? Your opinion? Sort of. Um, well, so first, as I understand it, the reason that synthetics have a lower fee is because there's no outbound, right? Like the thing when you're doing a regular a regular Thor chain swap, there's 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 Bitcoin going into a vault, there's Ethereum coming out of a vault, there's Rune being transported from one pool to the other on the back end to to for for arbitrage for resetting the price for moving gas fees around. There, there's all kinds of like you could say expenses to the to the Thor chain protocol itself to to send these swaps out which is why that $1 rough i don't know if it's exactly $1 roughly $1 outbound minimum it was was changed because the gas on i think it was only affecting really uh Binance chain at the time though now that we have Avax i'm guessing that might be similar even Adam i'm, I'm not sure exactly but um the I, I believe that in some of those cases like the internal fees to Thorchain were higher than what the user was actually paying on those really on those really low fee outbounds the reason that doesn't have to apply to to since is because since are on Thorchain itself right Thor, like since are native to Thorchain. They're not sending assets like in and out of other vaults on other chains and controlling that from Thorchain itself. They're just like internal tokens, uh, essentially, right? Backed by the backed by the LPs. I don't think you I mean, it, it, if you're suggesting even getting and yeah, the send fee for those is 0 0.02 rune. I don't think you could get rid of that because then you I mean, then you have like a free free you have like a free blockchain right i don't know i need somebody uh who can really dig into that but i mean that'd be like saying to get rid of gas fees entirely right uh which you're you're basically getting something done on the blockchain with with no expense whatsoever i'm sure there's all kinds of ramifications to that i don't know if anyone else has input on that but yeah i don't think you'd be able to completely get away with that to to eliminate them, but it's already very cheap and i do think that there's opportunity to have better synth trading experience because since our low fee, you know, you can the interesting thing about since is that you could have a centralized exchange like decentralized exchange. Uh, and what I mean by that and what you were touching on is because because since are fast, since they're cheap, and they still are redeemable for your your native L1 asset, 
So that's kind of like the original vision of synth, right? Like now we have the yield bearing synths and 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 all of that. But just with synths themselves, I mean, they're really the idea is quick and fast trades that are still redeemable to the L1 asset. So you could have like a simple trading app or whatever that just uses Thorchain synthetics, and then and then it maybe maybe after your trade it says like, do you want to settle to native? Here's the gas fee, and then you settle back out. Um... Yes, and understand that it's not uh, to see um, to say it's a competition. But when I, uh, what is this hand here? Well, but no way. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm not talking about uh, torchain internal fees. I'm talking about interface fees. You know, I think that uh, we had a conversation uh, convo about that with uh, uh, with Morgashi, and uh, finally he said that we, he will think about it because I think it's important. Fixed set fees is different than a percentage. Um, centralized exchange impose. A percentage in fees in every trade, you know. Okay, I see. So, so you're suggesting that the interface fee be different for synths than for native trades. Exactly, exactly. Because I think that synths are really the weapon against uh, sex to bring uh, traders, low traders, big traders, everyone you want here to uh, to 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 trade to trade uh, easier and uh, with the future order book, it will be uh, uh, very much more efficient uh, calculus, if I uh, understood well the other day. And uh, I think that things should really be considered differently than other transactions, I think. Okay, not for now, uh, perhaps uh, 2023. Well, that's all. Uh, just one thing, uh, very uh, nice moment i think to uh, to uh, to uh, savers launch it's uh, we are on beer market and uh, when you are no it's really it's really perfect perfect time because and you, and you will see uh, it's uh, growing every day the 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 bonds are are growing every day and uh, wow just wow Guys, um, I have to go, but very interesting discussion. Thanks, Chad, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thanks for coming up. And uh, yeah, Juggernaut, that, that's an interesting point about the sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll uh, I'll bring that up to uh, at least on the ThorSwap side. And um, I, I personally hadn't really thought of that too much. I don't know if if Mogarki has said anything about it. I haven't. I hadn't seen that, but it's an interesting point. And um, yeah, to your last point, it's it's really cool to see savers kind of taken off and. Um, I don't know if anyone has a tweet handy for where that replit Thorchain savers tracker is, but I think Thorchain had tweeted out in the last couple of days, but it's really cool. You can like see live how much, how much is in the pools and what the current APR is and stuff like that. And it's definitely getting there. Um, let's move on to, uh, X red. Sorry to keep you waiting. And if anyone else wants to request to come up next, feel free. Yeah. Don't worry with that. Uh, thank you for all. I'm sorry if, uh, as I was to say, if uh, my uh, you know English is not so fluent, I will try to just do my best. So uh, I have questions I will ask you after, but I don't know if it's the right place to just ask it, and I don't know if you got the information for now. 
So first, I will just begin with, you know, the, the compliments, as I just following you since uh, something like two years. And uh, really, your ecosystem, the ecosystem you're just building is just no way for the moment, as uh, just to is amazed that the, the top wallet guy is just leaving. Uh, I don't know if there is some, you know, checker from, from you know, CoinGecko right there, but uh, currently, I think we can just compare top wallets as a trust wallet who just got some, you know, really nice, really nice action during the, the last weeks, considering the, the, you know, the FTX drama. And uh, considering the market caps, I think I'm not final financial, you know, advisor, but it might be useful for all to just take that as uh, it might be, you know, some uh, relay that taking place in few times. About the, the savers, I don't see this as, you know, uh, uh, we talked earlier about maybe some uh, adversaries from holding rooms. And uh, what I like on this is, uh, for me, is a real good, you know, complement to just uh, redeem the, the, the top holders. As uh, as you just explained us, when you just deposit on savers, the mechanism in places just involving synthetics which is pretty good as uh, every staker just can benefit from this, just as the holders. Uh, even if the price of Rune, you know, is not going up from now, uh, as you say, it's just consequence from the, the recent markets. Um, about the scenes, what I can say is don't change anything as it's a really good, you know, uh, backing of value as you can just use it to just you know, getting some fiats, even if it's not that, and uh, is a real good case on, uh, you know, current times, as we see some drama about USDT, USDC, and everything like this coming. For, you know, regular traders is a really, really, really great door, which is opens. Um, except that my question was about, you know, privacy, as uh, now that we got really good ecosystem, which bring it on and uh, can be used for multiple things, did you got any information about the listing of, you know, Monero or maybe Haven, which I know is listing on your, your website, torchain.org? And uh, can we expect to get some news maybe in a few months coming or maybe even better before the end of the of the year? Yeah, for sure. Uh, first, I just want to clarify real quick um, that I am not on the Thor the core Thorchain team. Um and usually we have Chad Barreford on these spaces. He's not here today. And we just had some ecosystem uh, projects up and just kind of having a more casual one. But, you know, for, for like really core questions, uh, can definitely come back probably next week and we'll have more more core side up. But yeah, I haven't heard any recent update on the on the XHV and, and Monero side. Um, I know there's still work being done on it. It's not It's not shelved by any means. It's obviously like a more controversial one in a lot of ways because the nodes have to you know uh vote it in and of course but xhv was really it was i mean it got number two on that last vote that took place a month or two ago or so so we're definitely going to see something in that regard would be just my personal take um it's going to happen one way or another and that like you know people have even thrown out ideas like like a private uh like a thorchain fork that focuses on stuff like that so we're going to see it one way or another. It's just a matter of like, how does it play out and when it's still very much to be determined. But I know that the integration is like pretty much done. I think it's like testable. Um, I think it's on the MockNet version of Thorchain, I believe. I think the Nine Realms guys were talking about that. Um, yeah. So th th that's all I know about that side. But um, 
I'm thinking back to what you had said before. Oh yeah. On synthetics. Um, yeah, just to, as far as changing what he was referring to was just the fee on the, on Thor swap or on an interface, uh, on top of how synthetics work. Cause in, in ThorChain, any interface, anyone that integrates ThorChain can like tack on a affiliate fee essentially just to, you know, monetize their, their platform to some extent. Um, but yeah, I think the design of synthetics itself, um, yeah, I mean, it's great. It, w- one dynamic that will be interesting is because savers, savers, savers use synths, right? So savers, uh, increase the synth utilization. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the synths, uh, caps filling up. We might see them max out in the coming week or two weeks. Who knows? We'll see. And then like there would have to be uh, raise the synth cap uh, campaign that we might see going on. But the interesting dynamic there might be like between the synth traders and the synth savers. Uh, you know, are the synth savers maxing it out? Is there enough available for the synth traders? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that, but I'm curious to see like how that kind of plays out. Uh, because there's now two different reasons to to mint since so those kind of almost compete um and yeah to your other point about uh you know the not financial advice stuff i think it's really uh, interesting just looking at the that some of these best ecosystem projects are you know uh single uh, seven seven figure market caps right now so pretty interesting to take a look at door swap thor wallet xd um, who else is live with the token in the ecosystem? That's about it. But yeah, I mean, all of those are uh, pretty low at the moment with a lot of things going on. So not financial advice, but definitely good to be aware of all the projects going on in the space. Yeah, done that. Uh, on that, you just have to check the price on the trust wallets and check the price of the tour wallets. And uh, <laughs> you just check after the market caps and you can understand that, uh, yeah, uh, with the, the drama going on, is definitely a, a bright future. But we need, we really, really need privacy to get the last, you know, exit doors. As uh, as I say, since are pretty good ideas are we can just back it to just, you know, trade rooms directly on the door chains. But we, we have to get, you know, an invest drops to just after don't be in any case, uh, uh, in trouble with, uh, I don't know, regulation or governments, as you know, the, the roadmap for them will be really huge in the in the next years and after going on. Um, one last thing I just want to thank you is just, uh, I like, you know, you, you, your commercial and just sending, you know, the AVEX T uh, aggregator on the same days that uh, FTX just implodes was a 7-11, if I remember good, was just, uh, you know, a good thing. Thanks for all. And I just come back the next week to just uh, ask the same question to Barrow Ford. Maybe he can give us, you know, more detailed info. Thanks. For sure. Thanks for your question. And and yeah, like the timing is, I mean, the timing has just never felt more ripe for, for ThorChain, ThorSwap, really the whole, the whole ecosystem. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the rollout of all these huge features coinciding with the collapse of some of the most major um centralized players in the space i mean you have you have the trading aspect being replaced by dexes of course but then you have the blockfi aspect being replaced by savers and it's funny because i had been saying for the last like few months like oh like thorchain yeah i kind of had this realization like thorchain is going down the list and taking back all the centralized crypto products and bringing them back to the crypto world and then the way that actually played out is that they all imploded Right as right as Thorchain was launching him, which wasn't necessary in the in, in the plans, but that's one way of doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, I think I'll pretty much wrap up here. But since we got through all the ecosystem partners and questions and stuff, but 
just that one final thought of like this timing is nuts and like how do we seize this and really get Thorchain and Thorswap and XDeFi and Thorwallet and Shapeshift and all the partners that came up like these uh like like the time is now <laughs> for these things and it's it's so needed and we need to we need to fix the education piece we people need to understand why self custody is important why using a dex is important and there's just so um there's just so many things coinciding at this moment and um that's kind of all i have to say but it's just we need to we need to get this thing out there cuz it's it's here and it's built and it's ready and like now is the time for it to really shine because the space needs it so 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 much and and it and, and it's really happening now like these things are built these things are like hardened and and now like the now the integrations are really are really coming together and you know we're going to see some some big names uh pretty soon and i think that really is like the most exciting way to to scale thorchain at this stage is is you know like speaking from the thorswap perspective for a second yeah you can you know scream for people to use thorswap that's great that will continue to to go on you know but the the real way to to 10x 100x this is to get this infrastructure where the users are right and that's that's like that's what we've always dreamed of for so many years at this point is uh, Thorchain being the invisible backend and things like the Thorswap API and all of the aggregation that's happening. You know, now that can just be simply plugged into, uh, you know, another, another wallet, another app and so on and like bring all that functionality in. So that's the world that I think we're headed to. Hopefully, hopefully this plays out. Hopefully that's what you guys think too. I think, I think you wouldn't be here if not. But yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, thanks for thanks for tuning into the this space. I know it's a little different this week, but we should be back to the usual. Actually, no, next week might be. I'm not sure on next week actually because it kind of coincides with with uh, Thanksgiving in the U.S. and stuff. So I'm, I don't know if next week's space is going to be normal or not either. But we'll be back to the usual stuff soon. But this will still go up on the recording. Will still go up on RuneBase and uh, potentially Nine Realms YouTube. We'll see. But yeah, thanks for tuning in and see you guys.